Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hey, everybody. Hi. Hi, Jim. I'm Hello. David. And I forgot to have my headphones on. Yes, and I was hearing myself twice. Oh, that's great. That's great. We'll have to leave that for posterity. Yes, we will. So, uh, now that I've completely screwed up the beginning of the podcast, yes. um, <laughs> I'm going to reach out to our listeners for a minute yes, and ask them. I'm going to beg them for forgiveness, first off. Then I'm going to uh, tell them, if you listen regularly, you can join the Practical Guitarist Facebook group. And you can review us on iTunes if you feel so inclined. We love to have reviews. Um, and if you need to get a hold of us directly, you can find us via email at the Practical Guitarist Podcast at gmail dot com. Yes. So, now that that's was, out of the way, Jim. I know you got so some new stuff to talk about. Yep. So I have a new um, a new addition. I had to give something up to go for it, but. Um, and that was a significant give up. I think you should start with that. Tell us what was. you got rid of. So um, I actually traded my, uh, or sold, I should say, my uh, Les Paul standard. I can't believe you did that. I know, I know. It's it's. You were in love with that thing, man. Well, you know what I wasn't in love with was the back breaking of bringing it in and out. And I, I actually yesterday I played with my uh, my Shengze. Which is a fairly heavy instrument. Yeah. Uh, and I played with it uh, for a rehearsal for like two hours, you know, around my neck. Yep. And yeah, I got to say, even I'm only 32 years old uh, and it was ridiculous. So, yeah. So I play for, you know, I obviously play a little over an hour each set, but almost four hours a night. And uh, I put in, I put in a lot of time. I don't tend to actually play it at home because of the fact that it's so heavy. So I play the um, studio more because the studio has got a little, it's a little lighter. It's got a little lighter, a little better weight relief. So anyway, um, and I got a PRS um, CE. So uh, the Paul Reed Smith CE in trans black um, looks fantastic. I really wanted one. I, I still want one. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of jealous. So um, I thought you wanted the didn't oh yeah you want a Mira no like, no I want I want a CE man oh I thought you wanted the S two why did I think you wanted an S two no I looked at S twos for like a long time but I the reason I didn't end up buying an S two is because I kept going I'm gonna be the guy that pulls up in his Porsche Boxster at the uh, stoplight and looks over and sees the guy in the 911 Carrera and goes God damn it why didn't I opt for the bigger one you know yeah so price wise you're looking at what five hundred bucks difference. Give or take a few dollars. Right. Um, so I got a good deal. I did I did well. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I, and it is so light, so much easier. Two button, two, two knobs, one switch. Um, I was a little bit of afraid of a bolt-on neck going, you know, I, like I said, I've had a little, you know, a, a fender for a long time but their, their neck joint on those things is a thing of beauty man that's oh, just man. The, that's the reason why i'm still looking at ce's because they're that bolt-on joint gives yeah. you all the good stuff that you get out of like a, a traditional bolt-on guitar 
but all the good things you get from a set deck too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The all the um, so I played it in church today, and uh, I could not believe the sustain. Oh yeah, honestly. sustain, really and then every note has so much pop and snap to it, and clarity. It just jumps out of that damn guitar. Yep. Incredible now I swear, clarity. I know the customs are really cool guitars, yep. but. The CE is where it's at. I mean, the the PRS CE, you get all the 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 fancy top and everything, yep. and then you get that sound, and yeah. it's like you can't get that out of a custom twenty four or a custom twenty two. Well, if you are a person who believes that the sound comes from the pickups and the and the um, electronics, then it's the exact same guitar. There is no difference. Yep. Yep. If you are a a tone woods don't matter, um, pickups and and electronics are it. Then they're made side by side with the same um, pots, with the same pickups, with the same wire, wired by the same people. You have you have no difference in my the CE to the custom. My big thing is CE to custom. What the difference is? The custom is not a smooth guitar. It's chunky, no. like it does yep. a little chunk thing. Yep. And for, for rhythmic playing, it's great. The the um, customs are a lot smoother, like. Think think the difference between Santana and SRV. Right. That's right. kind of the difference. Yeah. And honestly, I, I really loved it. I, I well, don't love it. I yeah. <clears throat> um I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Um the ES- Well, if I don't we were just talking about my Kiesel, I was gonna order a Kiesel. If yeah. if I don't get a Kiesel, I'm probably gonna get a CE. And yeah. I'm hoping my wife's sitting in the room, so I have to be careful. I'm <laughs> hoping maybe at the Sweetwater Gear Fest when I go, you know. That would be awesome. Then pick one up over there. <laughs> she, she is listening. So I will be there. I'll be there to watch you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, you'll be there to keep me from being killed. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, I'm not going to be a bulletproof shield. But No, no, there won't be any bullets. It, I, no. I know the guns maybe. your wife owns. Yeah, um, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dangerous part. Um, so I'll be on the other side of the room. <laughs> looking at the PRS booth. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's really cool, man. I've been watching videos of what they did last year. So um, I guess it's a good time to, to announce this to our audience. Yeah. If you are going to be in the what, uh, Fort Wayne Fort area Wayne. Uh, on June 22nd and 23rd, I will be there at GearFest at the Sweetwater facility. Um, I'm really excited. It's our first uh, industry event we'll be attending. Um and I, I think it's a very good opportunity to like meet people. If you guys are listeners of the show and you're going to be there, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, maybe we'll hook up, get lunch or something. Um, but yeah, so both yeah. days I'll be there. Um, I actually have heard that some other podcast personalities will be attending. Um, I will let them do their own announcements on that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to hang out with them as well. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yep. So it's, I'm, looking, um, I'm looking forward to jamming with some of them. So yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm close enough to drive. I'll be bringing guitars, and uh, I've got an Airbnb with a basement and stuff, so we can all kind of hang out and play and whatever. Yeah. So I'll be um I'll be with my uh, I have a friend who lives in Fort Wayne, and uh, so I'll be there as well. Shout out to them. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> to my friend. Um, <laughs> Thank you for sha- letting Jim shack up there. <laughs> yeah, always nice people. Um, but uh, be that as it may, um, you know, I always I always stayed in what they have. They have like a mother-in-law suite or fa- it was actually a father-in-law suite in reality. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
uh, yeah, nice place, nice folks, um, great folks. And of course, if we do any jamming, we'll be with you guys. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, well, and and uh, I'm planning on being there. Um, if anybody's coming in early or later, I'm going to be there Friday to Sunday. So. Yeah, I'll probably get there. I've got a lot further to drive, so I'll be getting there sometime Thursday and leaving. Well, I'll Sunday. be there Thursday night, but it'll be late. Yeah. I'm leaving after work on Thursday. So yeah, I have no idea what time I'll get there on Thursday. I'm going to take uh, Thursday and Friday off because it's a it's a twelve hour drive for me. Yeah, it's it's, it's not it's not uh, a small trip for me. I mean, it's just four and a half hours. So yeah, yeah. but uh, it'll be worth it. So yep, looking forward to seeing that. Looking forward to meeting uh, my Sweetwater rep and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm hope. Well, I hope Brian Kearns is there too. Uh, he's my Sweetwater rep. So yep. Aaron Hoff is mine. Yeah, uh, and then of course, um, hanging out, uh, meeting some of the uh, folks. Um, yeah, dude. They have like they have people performing and stuff. I saw last year that uh, Eric Johnson was just like hanging out. Yeah, and there was just like dudes like sitting there talking to him. I was like, that that's crazy. Well, Fort Wayne, <laughs> Fort Wayne is one of those um, uh, sleep. They have rooms. two airports. Yeah. I've been Who in knew? both of them. Yeah. You can put both of them in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> but, but two. I'm like, what? I know. I know. One, of them, one of them is international, which means they have a flight to Canada. <laughs> they have a flight. That's what I was just going to say. They have a flight that goes to Canada. It goes six hours north. And that's not yeah. flight time. That's probably, that's, that's drive time. Yeah. Um, yeah they have, um, uh, when I went there, of course, I flew in and out of the uh, international airport. And I'm not thinking much of it. So, I was flying from Albany, New York, also a small airport. And I thought, okay, Albany, New York, believe it or not, Norfolk, Virginia, very small airport. And I'm like, oh, you know, because I've been to Dallas, and I've been to, you know, and we've all been to the big ones, O'Hare and, and Atlanta yeah. and Philly and DFW and all these LAX. And so I'm like, oh, well, this will, you know, this will be a nice big airport. I get there, there's like two runways. And <laughs> I have like this is the international airport that all of the planes there was there were there were four gates but you sit in the same chairs for all four gates four that's, that's four like, I got that beat that, so so Jim if you ever have the luxurious opportunity to fly into Rockford International Airport oh uh, Rockford that, Illinois yeah yeah that was hysterical it used to be yep. a UPS hub yeah and there are literally two gates. Yep. They are an international airport because they have one flight to Mexico. Yep. yep. <laughs> they really they really only run flights to Las Vegas and Florida. It was the quickest so. run. I gotta say this though. So I'm used to being in an airport two hours early. And I, I got there. The airport was opens up. I was the first guy through the the, the taxi cab driver that brings me there and goes, Are you sure you want to go there this early? Yeah, I got a flight at eight. He goes, You sure you want to be there this early? <laughs> I get there. Wait a minute. And I am the only person that isn't working at the airport in the airport. What is this? A sixty cycle hum podcast? Uh, no. We are talking about travel and geography and so P R S C E. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Uh, the guitar is great. Um, I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna do a video on that one and the um, the LTD C1000. Um, Aaron got a hold of me and said, "Yeah, we got some EC one thousands in amber. Are you still interested?" So, uh, I'm thinking about maybe putting the um, uh, the other guitar on the shopping block. You're getting right out of Gibson's ballpark right now. You know, it's not that I don't love them. Take my word for it. I'll probably wind up with a Les Paul again in a couple more years. But right now, it's just it's the heaviness, and uh, I mean, 
you know, I, I should bring my uh, EC1. Th- well, you've played them. I, if you yeah. see a 2018, the way the cut is on the heel and the fret access, it's just a completely different guitar. If you played an EC1000 that was pretty much a Les Paul knockoff, <clears throat> you're going to say, no. They... But believe it or not, the higher end ones don't have the cutaway. I thought that was weird. The, oh. the higher end ones still have the um, very jagged edges of a Les Paul on the back. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. So no, so no belly cut. <clears throat> yeah, the e, the um, LTD, not the LTD. I'm sorry, the ESP, and they they have a um, an EC1000 type guitar ESP, and the the higher end. Um, so I was uh, you know shocked that EC1000, which is the LTD version, has a nicer cut and the belly cut for those of us who have a little bit of a belly, or a lot, or a lot. In my case, yeah. So I may, <laughs> I may fly with one of my guitars. I don't know. Well, we'll say I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, jamming with people. So I'm going to have extra instruments. I'm going to bring. I'll have a couple of guitars with me. Well, um, I'll be driving. Course, yeah. One of them will be in my Shingze. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to get that Shingze. We got to get. That. I pity anyone who draws that short straw. I pity the fool. <laughs> no, actually, I went through rehearsal to that thing yesterday, and uh, yeah, I mean. It excelled, but you know the funniest part? This is the best part about the rehearsal. All right. I read the Helix direct into a Fender Passport PA system that's like half working. Right, right. And it sounded incredible. Really? I was shocked. I'm telling you, you know, the thing about the the um, Helix is that it's a damn good It's um, so flexible. Platform. Yeah. I, honestly, Jim, I'm sitting here kind of thinking like, do I just pony up the dough and get a PA? Because I'm about like, it. I'm get, at this point, I'm like, you know what? It's smaller, it's lighter, it's less hassle. I don't have to worry about breaking tubes. Somebody's, and it sounds freaking great. Yeah, somebody's making a knockoff version of the Bose uh, PA system. You know the yeah, uh, uh, Turbo Sound. Yeah, could and could and the Turbo Sounds are really really nice. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I'm going to do a column though. I think I'll probably just go to a powered speaker because they're they're freaking dirt cheap. I can get one of the stupid uh, Alto brands. For like oh. two hundred bucks, or I can get an electro voice for like three fifty. So get the, um, I was gonna say the electro voice, or you could go with the um, oh crap, who makes it? Not Rogue, uh, is it Rogue? Rogue? I know who you're talking about. So there's one R. We use them, yeah. And actually, their little monitors are great. We have an AVH as far as the yeah uh, the elect or EV. Sorry, not EVH. I'm, yeah, electro voice. Yeah, the electro voice for the PA. We have an electro voice. Everything's just powered PA. Nice yeah, little... that's that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Like my uh, so my partner in crime in this project, he's uh, he's talking about doing a PA upgrade because it's his Fender Passport we've been using for rehearsals. And um, if we do that, I told he asked me, he said, "What kind of a system should I be getting?" Because he's not really that gear savvy on this guy. So I said, "Dude, just get uh, a decent passive mixer and yeah. get yourself a power powered speakers. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah." I mean, powered speakers have just made everything so easy. Oh, so much better. So no much more, better. No more rack and, you know, power amp and all that. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about the fact that one power amp is your is your fault. Yeah. That's your single fault. If one of, of the failure. speakers goes down, good God, you just turn the other one on. You know, right. it's like. Right. The problem. Just turn one up. You I mean, got mono. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so. Honestly, we run. So we run four. Try to count the band members. We ran. We run four active monitors, two active uh, mains, and an active sub. 
And everything goes into it. We put the Hugh, uh, the Hughes and Kettner um, uh, two blasters yeah. uh, DI'd out of their um, red box. Um, the output, right? Yep. <clears throat> right into the board. We don't even the the guitar amps aren't even um, on stage. Well, I, I I apparently have a gig coming up this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be playing a charity event. Nice. And um, I'm sitting there like, well, what do I even bring? I mean, the at helix. this point. I'm thinking I'm just going to throw the Helix on the floor, but I got to find out if they got a PA. If they don't have a PA, then I'm going to bring a Mark V. Right. And we'll bring that terrible, terrible Fender Passport yeah. and hobble through the gig. But uh, yeah, that, that thing, like, literally has uh, the speaker wires are coming out of the bottom of it because we had to drill a hole in it because the there was a bad lead or something. So we so we went in and actually soldered wires to the speaker. So it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. Like, it's a mess. Well, I know it's a charity event. You're probably not getting paid. But if I was you, I would probably run to a – I would talk to the charity people and say, hey, maybe you could talk to the local music store and get somebody to um, uh, loan – because they can just, loan rentals. I just, go, I just go get one. Like, I go buy one, to be honest with you. I mean, we only need it for vocals anyway. I could probably get by with a single speaker. Well, I don't think we're going to have a full band. It's just going to be me and uh, the other guitar player and yeah. his vocals. So he just uses it for vocals, and then we just go with amps. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes these places, when it comes to churches, they'll they'll let them borrow them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I don't know. They, they apparently do this quite a bit, so they may actually have a PA. Yeah. But uh, we're going to find out. So uh, actually, the, uh, the singer-guitar player I play with, uh, he was... He volunteered his time with this organization, and and they had a list, fill out a list of things. So it just happened that one of the things he filled out was a musician. They're like, "Well, we'd like you to come out and play." So, so he volunteered his time, which meant you volunteered your time, or he volunteered your time. Well, I don't care. I mean, I'll go down and play. Like I, I, you know how I am. I'll, I'll play for free. I don't. I'll put the tip jar out. But I mean, you'll get some exposure, all right. Yeah. <laughs> just make I'm sure gonna, that your your shirt is I'm not going to expose the back. myself. But, you <laughs> just know, just make sure your t- shirt is tucked in on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Why? So they can kick me in the ass. No plumber's crack. Uh, I'll be fine. So, um, no, just joking. So, uh, I was watching, um, I just happened to be watching Anderton's video last, this week, and uh, one of the videos he put up, he, he had, he was bent over to do some stuff, and I, I typed in a thing, nice Calvin Klein's, Captain. But anyway, um... He got some so, money. Well, uh, I'm saying... Wear decent underwear. That's all I can say. If you got you get the money for some good underwear. That's uh, right. I I'm a big fan of Duluth, but I'm anyway, a Hanes. I'm a Hanes guy. So um, <laughs> yeah, so um, I and and mine are tagless. Are they your way or her way? Yeah, they are. <laughs> your yeah, <laughs> good answer. They good are answer. my way. So I'm um uh, anyway. I'm looking forward to playing the. Uh, the PRS more, um, and a lot of the songs that we're doing. So we we found that that uh, our audience is liking our more rocking music more than uh, our dance music. So what we've done is we added a uh, hair metal set, what we call our hair metal set, and people are loving it. So 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 wait a minute, people aren't getting on the dance floor during this though, right? Or are they? That's what surprises me. They'd rather dance to the hair metal stuff, like round and round. Oh, that's hysterical. Come on, feel the noise. And yeah. What? Yeah. I'm not surprised by this. I mean, we used to pull out some hair metal tunes every once in a while. So, well, you got that, uh, you know, that beat to come on, feel the noise. 
I'll tell yeah. you, that is one time where the drum riff, you know, when he goes, bah, bah, <laughs> you know, all of a well, you're hit, but you're also hitting that age, like you're hitting the group of the age group of people that hang out in those kinds of places now. Right, right. So, and that's that's a big part of that is knowing your audience. Yep. Well, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's kid, there's people your age that grew up with their parents listening to it. And of course, there's uh, people my age who were listening what'll to it be, in college. What what'll be hysterical is in ten or fifteen years when you know, like you'll have to play like corn songs. And oh people be God. out there, dan- and people be out there dancing to it. And you'll be like, "What in God's name is this?" Like, I, like Limp Biscuit and Corn. I'm trying to picture uh, people dancing to Corn, but okay. Some friggin' stained, and <laughs> I could see baby stained. Some Rammstein, maybe. Rammstein. <laughs> could you could you just see like, like going into going into a like a like a place where they you know people are eating dinner and there's some guy going do do host do host beast. <laughs> That would be awesome. I, I have to see that. Like, I'm glad I'm going to live through this. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, I'm already seeing people um, uh, going out dancing to, I'm going to be a cowboy, baby. So, you know. Oh, yeah. It's a, it, yeah. I mean, it's but a that, no, But that I kind of get. Like, I've seen uh, a couple of the dance hall bands around here doing uh, some of the later... Was that the one where he did the mashup of uh, Warren Zevon and? Uh, oh yeah, the the. Um, yeah, they were playing that about thing summer, that all over the radio. People were playing that, and there was all people dancing. Sweet Home again. Alabama all summer long. I was that like, was, what? I was just like shaking my head. I'm like, seriously? It was. A, it was a direct. He rip got off. away with that. It was a direct ripoff. Of oh, and he played royalties out the yin yang for that. Three, you yeah, know but, he did. But he mashed up three songs. Most yeah. people can pick out two. The, the two that are easy, the Warren Zevon song. I haven't listened to it enough to be able to pick out the third one, to be honest with you. And the, obviously, Sweet Home Alabama. There is a Steve Miller song in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for our listeners, who can pick out the Steve Miller song? That's in yeah. that song. Send, it, send us an email or drop us a note in the group. Right. So, um, it would be cool. Um. And listeners, uh, Dave is looking into something that uh, we haven't done yet. Um, so we can always cut this out if it doesn't, you know, if uh, it but, doesn't fly. Yeah. But um, you were looking at Teespring, right? Yeah, we're probably going to do Teespring or somebody like that. One of the one of the sites where you can design stuff. And if you want to order it, you can pay a premium and you get it. Um, at this point, I think. We're more interested in spreading awareness of the podcast, so I'm not going to make a huge deal out of uh, trying to turn a profit. Um, no. no, more or less. Actually, this is born out of a discussion. <clears throat> We're going to the Gear Fest. I want to get some shirts made up so that so that we um, have like, ties the podcast one there and yep. um, look a little bit more professional than you know me and Mike. I'm wearing a Ted Nugent shirt right now. Yes, uh, if you are into uh, you know taking away my firearms, you probably would be pissed, but. I like the new. She's got great music, so. Yep, I, I'm, I grew up on. Um, I'm le- I'm less than thrilled with his politics at times, but yeah. uh, and I think he's a little bit nuts. Well, yeah. a lot nuts, but he, he was he always music. He was always not, as my father would say, not even a shit house rat. But well, you know, when he played Soldier Field and he came out in a fucking water buffalo, dude, that guy came out when I saw him um, when I was a teenager. I was like, I want to say 14 years old. So this would have been 77, 78. He came out. He was, oh, oh, oh. he was on yeah. a, um, on a loincloth. Right? <laughs> yes. He was wearing a loincloth, swinging from the rafters, going, oh, 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 
He lands and he has that big old bird land. Doesn't use his right hand at all. Just <laughs> I saw him shot shoot a poster of uh, not a poster, but a big cardboard cutout of Osama bin Laden with a compound bow. That was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, flaming compound bow, no less. <clears throat> uh, you know, was it yep. America? Right. Yep. yep. Um. Yeah, but that I saw him when I was in college. That was very unpopular at the time. Like it was yeah. all old people and well, whatever. He, I mean, uh, oh, he'll play. I think he'll play your bar mitzvah. Yeah, um, yeah, he yeah. will. Like he, he'll take money any way he can get it. Yep. Uh, and and he uses his uh, music to fund his uh, wildlife yeah. preservation efforts and all that stuff. Yep. So. I mean, he had a he had a reality show for a while. I didn't even know about it. Uh, that he was doing um, hunting so the other and stuff. the other band that's known for doing that same thing is ZZ Top. Yeah. yeah. It's like I've seen venues where literally one weekend it's it's freaking the nudes and then the next weekend it's ZZ Top and, yeah. it, and it happens yeah. over and over and over. <clears throat> yep, yep. I saw ZZ Top is going to be with. Uh, I was kind of excited. ZZ Top and, yeah, and John saw... Fogarty. And yeah, not... that's a hell of a bill, man. Nowhere near me. Those oh, sons of bitches. Yeah, I remember that you said that. Uh, so I got tickets uh, just a little while before the podcast. I'm going to go see Buckethead. Oh, so I've already seen yeah. Buckethead, but I'm going to see him again. You, so uh, you've seen him before. Yeah, I saw him with Guns N' Roses when they did that tour back in, like, uh, 2003, 2004. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, uh, before they reunited. Um, and he left a, a strong impression on me. I didn't think a ton of him before I saw that show. But, I mean, literally, the guy, uh, yes, we all know him as the shredder that can yep. do, you know, the Paul Gilbert-style stuff. His name is actually Brian Philip Carroll. Right. Um we all know him for the, you know, the intense virtuosity that brings to the instrument, but honestly, seeing him do the, uh, like, the Slash stuff and um, basically the Guns N' Roses, like, catalog, the guy can play. I mean, he has feel and stuff, too, which is pretty impressive. Uh, his music is probably, his, like, some, okay, so his solo music is probably not everybody's cup of tea because a lot of it's instrumental. It's it's very progressive. It's very experimental. But I mean, the guy's not just doing shred stuff. I mean, a lot of, like, I would say probably half of the songs are ballads, and uh, he's got a very diverse catalog. Something like thirty albums now. And yeah. I was looking on, I was looking on iTunes because uh, I have an iTunes music subscription, and I'm trolling through there, and I'm like, oh, these got to be singles, right? And I click on one, and there's two songs on it, but they're like eighteen and twenty minutes long. That's and I'm a, like, no, that's an album. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, incredible. Uh, the guy's got. Guy, guys, well, so my thing for, for like, I'm actually taking my kid. Part of the reason why I wanted to go, uh, she was hanging around in the room with me, and um, she heard some of the music, and I was like, do you like this? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, he's coming to town, so I'm going to buy tickets. Because I'm like, if I could get her to get interested in music where people are actually performing, yep, uh, and especially in his case, I right, mean, he right. does this whole visual art thing, and I actually, I would say Buckethead's a great musician, but I would say... More so, he's a great performance artist right. because he has this whole character stick that he never breaks the whole time. In fact, I've heard stories about him coming and auditioning for various artists to like join their band or do an album with them or whatever. And yeah. he comes in in costume, or they <laughs> pick him up from the airport in costume. <laughs> and it's like, who does that? I now there's a there used to be a site where they talked about the making of Chinese democracy. Right. Now he's he's on that record, but I heard a lot of his parts actually got overdubbed by. Um, uh, who's oh, the, yeah, guy? the other Bumblefoot. guy that was in the same Bumblefoot. tour, Bumblefoot. Yeah. Bumblefoot came in after him and then actually redid a lot of his parts. But I guess there's still some bucket head stuff on there. But anyway, 
I heard I heard a story that they were having difficulty with him in the studio, so they built him a chicken coop in the studio. What? Yes. Uh, so the bumble or the bumblefoot, the buckethead stick is that he used to. Well, he was raised in a chicken coop by chickens. Oh, had uh, a KFC bucket on his head. It's all BS. It's part of the character. I know, but so, but no, actually, there's a. Um, so now now the story goes, uh, Brian. Uh, Carol Phillips or Phillips Carol or whatever uh, is actually he's got he's an extreme introvert he's got some some psychological issues right and so he created the character as a way to you know oh yeah yeah now that I image can... of himself so <clears throat> yep. that people there would be a distance between himself and the crowd so it really wasn't Buckethead screwing up if something screwed up it was or it wasn't it wasn't Brian Carroll that was screwing up it was Buckethead right so it was an insulation layer. And I, I could totally see like them building a quote unquote chicken coop in a music studio so that he could go in and, and do his parts without people looking at him. Right, right. I could see some stuff like that, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I the, the, that was a story I've heard. So actually, a lot of the guys from that band, the the the, the drummer Braid, uh, played with him years ago. Uh, I want to say Deli Creeps era, which is like in the very beginning. So right. Anyway, interesting guy. Uh, if you haven't heard him, you should probably go check him out just a little bit. Get an idea what he's about, because because he's all over the place. I mean, he's been on like thirty different records from from major artists. Yep, like Primus and um, Guns N' Roses and a whole bunch of other people. So it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, I'm a um, I'm a fan of guitar. I don't know if he would be my Thing, well, what's amazing, amazing though, Jim, and, yeah. and this is what I start to point out. Right, he has had a diverse career as he had wh- while hiding behind this mask. Like, yes. how he obviously has something that these guys are interested. In. I mean, he even he almost landed a gig with when, when Dave Navarro joined um, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That almost went to Buckethead. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, and I and um, I mean, obviously, the guy is incredibly talented. There's no no question about his gifts. Uh, and he's also he's also a genetic freak. I mean, look at his hands and how tall oh, he know. is. I know, and that's probably part of why he's so introverted. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But but uh, that be that as may, I mean, like we we've, we've seen a lot of guitar players that have uh, a physique and a. Um, uh, physical characteristics that are not normal that have right. these incredible talents. Uh, Paul Gilbert being one of them, Paul who's actually Gilbert. an instructor, who's actually an instructor of his. Yeah, yeah, which um, makes sense and and kind of speaks to um, uh, Buckethead's playing style. So funny to just have to say the word Buckethead a bunch. I know Buckethead, 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 Buckethead. Yep, you feel better now. Buckethead, Buckethead, Buckethead. I know this is probably not your favorite segment, so no, no, I heck, I'm all about musicians and and different types <laughs> of music. Honestly, he's a, he's a, he's not just a musician though. That's the oh, thing; like he's a theatrical guy, and so that's why I can respect him a lot more than. And I think that's probably yeah. I was just going to say I think that's probably why he um, he's extremely popular. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an oddity, you know, to go to a, a thing and see this dude with no emotion and stuff. Yep. Like the robot and play with nunchucks and all that. <laughs> it's definitely uh, something to be considered. <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, I'm 
I don't know if I would go see him, but I think that I would definitely tell people that they should go see him. It's to each his you know, it's to each his own. Like, right. uh, obviously, if you don't have an interest in you know heavier rock music and stuff, or you're not interested in performance art, this might not be your thing. But uh, yeah, and and definitely he's got like you were saying, he's got the performance art thing going for him, and that's a completely different thing. Yeah, from what I'm used to, and I think any band. They do that to an extent. Um, does that to an extent, except for your your local? Oh, here's the guy who's um, staring his feet all night long. Yeah, the yeah. shoegazer. Yep, shoegazer. Always looking at his fretboard. Doesn't care. Doesn't care about the audience at all. No. And we all build a character to perform. I think uh, even the shoegazer does to an extent. I have to. So I'll I'll give an example. I, so when we sing, um, when I sing, I should say, I sing. Uh, um, Psycho Killer by uh, okay. the the Talking Heads. I'm not a Psycho Killer. I can't put myself in their shoes, so I create a, a thing in my head that, okay, what would a Psycho Killer sound like if they were singing a song about <laughs> being a Psycho Killer? <laughs> Seriously, <sighs> it's funny, but it's but it's true. And then um, I- what? And then no. I, there's another song we do. Uh, oh, what's it called? Um, it was very popular by the Violent Femmes. Down, 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 uh, down, I forget down, the name down, of the song. Is exactly what you're talking about. You know, so you know, there's probably I'm you know I'm high as a kite. And yeah, I've never been high in my life. I don't even know what that feels like. <laughs> and so I have to go. Okay, I'm high as a kite. Except for that time they packed your nose with cocaine. <laughs> Well, I was I was also under at that point, um, <laughs> so I was I was completely I, I didn't even know that I, I had already counted backwards from a hundred, gotten to like ninety four, but um, <clears throat> so I'm like, how the hell does somebody who is high as a kite feel? How do you put that? <laughs> so I have to be a performance artist, you know. Whether right. I'm singing Jesse's Girl or I'm you know doing a song like that, I have to be able to go okay. I'm sitting here falling in love with a um, an amber burst uh, um, LTD 1000 right now. By the way, well, all right. So my thing is like I'm watching Buckethead right now, and I yep. know um, my my band is called uh, Black Death Doctors. Yep. Now you would think we're a heavy metal band, but we're not. We're kind of pulling at the European equivalent of the shaman interpretation of the uh, plague doctor. Right. Right. But. One of the things that we've discussed since the beginning is that I may end up wearing the mask on stage, oh. probably, and, and potentially for the entire set. Um, so I haven't gotten around to actually building and designing this mask yet, but it's going to be an important part of our brand's banding. Our, Brand, our bands. band's branding. <laughs> band's branding, not brandy. Yes. Oh, branding the – anyway. Brandy. So, you're a I, fine girl. <laughs> we have we have a whole bunch of ideas about how we're gonna pull this off, but it's one of those things where it's like I I can look at this guy for pointers because you know wearing a mask on stage just just in and of itself presents so many challenges in terms of how you're gonna perform because you can't see the friggin' instrument. I mean, even though like you've got eye holes. They're not going to be positioned in the way you want them to be. You can't move your head the same way because the the, the chin of the mask might bump into you or whatever. So I got to I got to have my parts down, 
and I have to have my my uh, brain in the right place in order to do this. So we're starting to enter into because we're going to start playing. Um, I'm, I'm told we're starting to book dates in August already. Like I'm going to have to make this a reality sooner rather than later. Well, you better get so. that mask going because that doesn't. That's not an overnight thing. That may take no, a month it's or two be a to long get. Project. Gonna, well, you, I've already. We have a place nearby called the uh, Science of Surplus Store. Oh, good. And I can get a ton of the materials I need there. I just have to be real creative about it. Oh, you're going to have somebody make it for you? No, I'm going to make it myself, but I just got to figure it out how I'm going to do it. I actually want to make it kind of post-apocalyptic, so I may start with like a Home Depot mask, you know, like uh, one you would use for uh, land drywall or painting or something like that. But I'm going to have to design ventilation into it and... Yeah, I want it to be something that I can wear continuously and not have to worry about breaking. Well, um, I'll give you two pieces of advice for somebody who's done the kiss thing too many times. No gas mask. Don't yeah, yeah. Don't wear a gas mask. Um, don't go cheap. Um, and uh, make sure that um, the not only does the mouth breathe, but the nose breathes. It's very oh, difficult. It's. Well, your face, it's going to be hard for your face, and your eyes are going to be, it's, you're going to limit your, your sight. I don't care how good it is. Yeah. Ask, ask anyone oh, who's played Batman or any other character yeah. on, uh, in the movies, oh, no I matter know. how much budget they have, there it's hard. Um, so that comes to a, a point. Let's, let's talk a little bit about guitar playing, because we are a guitar podcast. Oh, absolutely. We've been talking about it all episode. So how are you going to play a guitar? You can't see it. Oh man, I, you got to be damn good. I right. tell you what, though, I play a lot with my eyes closed. I, and do, I do it. I do it at the house. I do it at the house too, especially when I get into it. Like I'll be just jamming along, be moving. My eyes are closed, and I'm just going to it. And I'm by myself. There's nobody else here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's kind of creepy, and it's just something that happens naturally to me. So I don't think I'm going to have as big a problem not being able to see because I play with my ears more anyway. Yep. But. uh it, there are times where, like, when you start the song, like, you want to hit that first chord, you better make sure you're in the right place. So there's yep. some there's some little tricks you can use to do that, like uh, slow fade-ins with the volume pedal and stuff like that. But Yep. Well, there's slide-ins and things. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, I when I was a kid, my aunt um, had me play in front of a mirror. And so when I stepped away from the mirror, I couldn't look down because I wasn't used to looking down. So I didn't even have to see myself. And then I used to, instead of gazing at my shoes, um, one of the things you can do to learn to, to um, uh, kind of make the audience disappear is find a point above them and pass them. Right. Like, like if there's a clock on the wall or a poster. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to look at something at forehead level. Right. You got to be careful because you don't want to be looking at the Indy car race because you might actually want to know who's winning. And then the next thing you know, you forget what you're doing. Yeah, I hate it when they put TVs behind. I, I saw an interview with um, Don Henley once, and he was talking about the fact that sometimes he's sitting up there and he'll be drumming. Next thing you know, he says, and next thing I know, I'm making um, my grocery list. Yeah. Oh, it's bad because, <laughs> like, uh, do I need bread? <laughs> then he forgets uh, where he is. Years ago, I was playing at a club. Uh, and uh, it was the night that Ronald Reagan died, and they had a TV oh. on at the back, so I'm watching the funeral coverage while I'm playing. Like, yep. that, I'm dating myself now, but um, yeah, this is that's the thing. Like, you don't want a TV back there. Turn that thing off. <laughs> Shut up! You're in your 30s. I'm in my 50s. 
I'm in my 50s. I, I may Those have actually you... got my age wrong at the beginning of this episode when I said I was 32, too. I was thinking about it afterwards. I'm like, I think I'm actually 33. <laughs> wow. You're so old, you can't remember how old you are. Yeah, once you get to that age level, you just start, like, guessing. It's like, yeah. I think I'm, I'm in my 30 somewhere. 30-something. There was a TV show. You've got, you've got like, six or seven more years of that. Was it, like, it? Portlandia, where... where uh, he was he was concerned. He thought he was like thirty two, and he turned out he was like forty five. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one thing. You know, a lot of people um, when you're up there and you're you're entertaining, um, a mask helps. <laughs> but um, to be able to um, play, I'm perfectly, let's make it clear, the though. audience. I'm perfectly comfortable without a mask. This is done just to enhance the brand, the band's branding. And also to give us a unique stage presence that sets us apart from local. Yeah, that's what we did. We we all wear the same sh- color shirt, the same shoes, the same tie, um, so that we are branded. That's that's our shtick. When I was like 18, 19 years old, the band I was in, I wore tight pink snakeskin leather pants and this like knee-length coat. It was all fuzzy. Like I looked like a like a rock and roll pimp. It was hysterical. Yeah, my thing was spandex, and when I was in the navy, I had to wear a wig because my hair was too short, and it was yeah. and it was big hair. It was the eighties. It was the the yeah, man. You you're right in the middle of hair metal, so it was great because I could I could tease my hair and not even be wearing it at the time. <laughs> it was set on a dummy, dummy's head. So yeah, that was um, you know, that was something. It's awesome. Yeah, doing a white snake cover thing. Yeah, well, you know, people don't think about like local club musicians and actually like doing these sorts of things. I get, I guess, like if you go to like the normal dinner, dinner in a band type shows, like you, they don't dress up, they don't, you know, they don't really do a whole lot of that. I'm not saying I'm not putting any of it down, but you know, you go to these these club gigs and you walk in and the band is already at ten. Um, they don't have anywhere to go uh, up. Right, right. And they're they're not thinking about dynamic levels in the nope, club and all. That. They're not thinking about dynamics. They're not thinking about the fact that people are trying to talk in the club. They they're wearing whatever t shirt they wore at work with a big grass stain on it. There's like lasagna. Yeah, in the or something. I've seen stuff like that. Look I mean, yeah. like they look like they come in from lower their lawn. Right, play, ratty, you know. ratty shoes. There's dog shit that's on the, the bottom of it. That's what I call the Kurt Cobain effect. Right, right, and and. uh I'm not saying you have to wear a suit and tie. I, it, it, there's a lot of times I'll be like, why are we wearing fucking ties tonight? It's 90 degrees. Or it's so cold, I just want to put a sweatshirt on. But instead, we do it. We put our thing. But, we, but it's branding. My thing is that if you're going to engage a group of people, um, you want to be branded. You want people to, to know you and the band. I'm, I'm telling you right now, when I go to GearFest, I'm taking a whole bunch of retrosonic stuff with me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but you should though. Like that's yeah. that's part of what your role is. Yeah. Now, a long time ago in the Guitar Resource Collective, I think you and I had a kind of a sort of discussion about how like uh, one of the things that people don't really consider so much when they when they start forming a band is like what your role is as a member, and everybody right. really should have their own role. Like one might, guy might be really good at booking people, right, and getting getting you booked in places, and the other guy might be really good at like designing visual stuff. Right. And all of those talents, like, yes, they're not more important than the actual music and the, the, the physical ability to play an instrument, but they are talents and they should be used to promote the band. Um, so 
I just kind of hearkening back to that. I was thinking about that conversation. So, oh, yeah. So, something, something to think about. I mean, if you have a choice between two killer guitar players that have very similar styles, and one of the guys is a is an IT whiz who could build you a website, and the other guy's a plumber. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're going to be needing much toilets. No, no, no. So. Yeah, and you know, there's for another night. I think it's um, something to discuss. Would be how. Um, the the individual band members should always be uh, looking towards how can we help the band succeed? Um, right. Not how do I get myself out in front? Exactly. And the hardest thing to do is firing a band member. When is it right? the right time? Oh, I've done it somewhere. It's not, not fun. It's not fun. Uh, it's not easy. I've been on both sides of it. You know, and... I'd like to be fired one time. I got fired. Uh, to be honest, I'd like to experience it one time. Oh uh, well, I got fired once from a band. I was a little older than you are now. I was probably thirty-eight, thirty-nine. I got fired from a band because I um, uh, I had a prima donna attitude, um, but not really. So I'm gonna I'm gonna eat up a little time here. What happened was I was a singer guitar player for this band. Um, we had two other guitar players, so I didn't play as much. Anyway. They always wanted me to lug in all my gear, and I'm like, I could just go through a pedal board. Like, a, you know, at the time, I think it might have been a um, a Boss pedal board because the Helix weren't even out yet. I don't even think Line Six had anything like that at the time. Um, anyway, so I go in. I said, um, I'm setting up my stuff, and the we had two guys. Those are the hardest things. Band wives. Those two guys. They were. They had band wives. My wife would help me set things up. She would not say anything to the rest of the band as far as other than, you know, my stuff. Do you need some help? Never said anything. Their wives were always, you need to sing this. You need to sing that. You need to sing this. You need to play that. You need yeah, to- I don't like it when people. You know what? You want to be, you want to be in the fucking band? <laughs> get your ass up here. Get behind the mic. Otherwise, shut up. And, and. <laughs> For years, I hated that song by Candlebox. Get get behind her. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I couldn't fucking stand it because every time I heard it, all I could think about was those two women that wanted to hear it over and over. I'm like, look, you know what? You were embarrassing all of us by getting drunk and get they. You know, so there was a time when when um, uh, women in the audience would be. How do I say this? They would they would show themselves <laughs> to us, um, and uh, you know. Anyway, um, this happens. It it le- yeah. really happens to bands. It still happens. And yeah. I and so this happened, and they they were all mad at their husbands. How are you mad at your husband for something somebody did in the audience? Not like he had any control over he it. Didn't, he didn't ask her to do it, and and he was kind of embarrassed that she did. You know, believe me, none of us wanted it. But the point is that. That that was something that that you know you just you smile and you say thank you and you move along. You don't. Yeah, you don't you don't draw attention to it beyond right. the, the event itself. Exactly. I mean, I've had I've had embarrassing shit like that happen, not necessarily of a sexual nature, but right. just just dumb shit that you're just like, why are you doing this? You know, <laughs> like yeah, okay, if- great. We'll move on now. <laughs> right, right. And then you've always got the, you know, the two drunk girls. It's like the two broke girls, the two drunk girls. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's my favorite song. Can you play it again? 
No, I don't think the rest again. Of the bar, <laughs> yeah, I don't think the rest of the bar wants to hear it. But the thing is that that the the when the wives come out and they do that stuff, it's really it's difficult. You have to be a professional, and there are things, unfortunately, that bands that do happen to bands when you're on the stage, and you have to know how to handle them well. You have to know how to handle them professionally, and you have to be able to handle them without causing you or the person um, undue embarrassment or harm. You know, well, I mean? to be true, to be truthful, I mean, we've all had. If, if you're played in a band situation, you've had your disagreements with people. Yes, um, it, it just happens. It's natural. Uh, that's part of building a relationship. Either be, I, albeit either a relationship with your significant other or the you know unit that you work with. And in the case of band, you're working with those people. Right. And sometimes those disagreements can be far worse because you have no real reason to put up with these people. Right. I. My my wife and I jokingly tell each other that we love each other by saying that uh, I tolerate you for financial reasons. Yep. And it's just an inside joke, but the right. whole thing is like that's a big reason to put up with somebody. I mean, right. whether you think about it or not, and you don't necessarily have to do that with your bandmates. No. And so it's it's a lot easier to stay angry with them. Right. Um so I don't know. My whole thing is like I've heard stories it was actually Heard one the other day about a guy who was in his mid forties who's playing with a bunch of twenty year old guys, yeah. and he was a control freak. Like I'm older than you, and I have you know I have more knowledge on this, so you can't do what you want at all. And like to the point where he was adjusting people's amplifiers and uh, telling people when they were going to do vocal harmony and stuff. They worked out all these vocal harmonies, and the guys like, no, we're not doing that anymore. And it really damaged. Both of the players that were playing with them, they were they were very upset because it was like, well, this guy's supposed to be knowledgeable on this stuff, and and he really wasn't, and uh, he was asserting himself, and that's that that control freak attitude is a huge issue. I mean, albeit, um, I've heard people say that they won't play with singers; they have to be a musician first. Like that's that's a big thing. Um, in fact, one of my guitar teachers was saying that. Uh, he went. They went to Vegas in the seventies, and they were they had a, a two month hotel date at one of these hotels. And uh, about three weeks in, they were like, "What? When are we going to get paid? When are we going to get paid?" And the singer was like, "Oh, they said they're going to pay us at the end of the month, or they're or they're going to pay us next month, or you know, or another week." So he went to the to the hotel staff and he asked me, "said When are we going to get paid?" And the guy and the guy at the hotel said, "What do you mean? We've been paying you every night." And it was going right into the singer's pocket, me. and he was stealing the money. Yeah. So he 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 vowed. He said, "I'm never working with a singer again." Yep. They I've, they can be, you know, prima donnas. I mean, uh, the the hardest part, especially if it's a friend, um, or a family member, you know, the hardest part is to remember that it's still a business, and you're still there to do a job. You know, mm-hmm. as much as unless you're playing your cousins or your own house or your friend's backyard as soon as somebody says here's this much money that's that's the thing i always uh, uh, that kills me about a lot of bands it's like oh these guys don't want to hear any good music they won't hire us uh maybe you're not good or or maybe you are good you're just not good for them like me i wouldn't hire buckethead okay i mean we wouldn't get hired in 95 percent of the places that are around here Right, and that um, it's just not that style of music. 
So, you know, and that, that's a big part of it is yeah. do you have an audience? Right. Um, I, I'm just saying, like, there are confrontational personalities that you can run into that really can mess things up. And it's not necessarily I'm not poking at the singers specifically, but it tends to be the people that think that they're more important than the band. And I like to call it the David Lee Roth syndrome, where it's like, even though. Okay, <laughs> oh, come on. Diamond Dave's different, though, because when he walked away from Van Halen, Van Halen went down the toilet. And I think most people would agree with that. Yes. So, you know, but 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 I'm just saying that kind of attitude is like, I am Van Halen. You're not. You're you're Diamond Dave. You didn't I mean, like. You didn't like Van Hagar. I there are certain songs I like from the Van Hagar period. I think it would have been better if uh, Eddie had let him play guitar. I think yeah, Eddie Eddie should have let him play guitar more. That there were only two albums that I could really listen to in that time frame: OU812 and For Unlawful Car- Carnal Knowledge. That's like where it ends for 50. me. Oh yeah, uh, maybe it's fifty one fifty and OU812. Which one? Fifty one fifty was first. I think it was the first was one with him. Or was it OU812? Oh, this fuck came later. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I mean, they're, 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 there's some good records with him. Um, yeah. But there's also some really bad ones. Yeah. And that was just the shift from Van Halen being who they were in the beginning, which was like uh, a hard rocking band to being yep. a pop band. Yep. They were good at both, but I just don't have any love for, for that kind of pop music. Well, that tipping point was definitely... Um... Uh, while Damon, Diamond Dave was still there, um, uh, yeah, 1984, 1984, which right. that album is my favorite. It's one of Top my favorites. Jimmy, Top Jimmy is probably my favorite Van Halen song. My favorite Van Halen album that I can listen to top, front to back over and over and over is Van Halen. Yeah, I like that one, too. The first album. I think everybody likes that one. I can but. listen to that album. Atomic Punk, you yeah. know, um, you've got Je- uh, Jamie Some Spire, of the songs are so good, they're cheesy. Like Atomic like Atomic oh, Punk Atomic is, Punk is you look at it now and you're like, oh, yeah, God, but, but, no, but so... I understand when it came out, it was a different thing. But like because you didn't have Slayer or anything like that stuff at that point. There was no the, the hardcore music that did exist was so under the surface. Listen, so like you was... hear Atomic Punk, like you're like, oh, yeah, man. But the lyrics are just cheesy. <laughs> like, of course. But you got to remember that that brought, um, you know, punk music was still really not that well known at that time. I mean, it was out there, but not at the level. That it got to be atomic punk was was like this thing that that was like I'm I'm heavy metal but I'm also punk and it's just the way that the lyrics talk about the the whole it's thing so it, silly it had two meanings and it just kind of I don't know Jamie's, uh, Jamie's crying Jamie's crying Russian. that's the one I love like yeah that and, riff yeah well that was used by Tone Luke right uh, one yeah of yeah I'm just gonna say yeah was it um yep. what was it Tone Luke yeah, Tone Luke. What was the name of the song? Um, I don't remember anymore. Wild Thing. I wonder how much royalties he paid. <laughs> oh, my God. And now and now Eddie's completely insane. <laughs> oh, my God. He's been insane for a while. Jeez, are you kidding yeah, me? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, when, I feel bad because I made that comment in one of the last episodes about... Um, about his infidelity or whatever, whatever is going on there. Yeah, I don't know who was cheating on who. <laughs> like, I don't know much about that whole story, but I remember reading it. So, you I know, give some clarity there. It's. Uh, I'm going to save uh, reading for the next. Um, literally, the word reading for the next um, podcast here that we're going to record. But 
Um, I got to say this. I got to, um, about uh, the Eddie Van Halen going crazy thing. When he tried to convince people that Gary Sharon was the right singer for the band, I know oh, he yeah. was off his freaking rock. I feel like we've had this conversation before. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the biggest mistakes in rock music. Yes. Honestly, we start doing videos for YouTube. That's one of the things you should do. You should do like top five rock mistakes in rock history. Yes. And that should Kiss, be. Makeup should be one of them. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm I'm not going to go too in depth of that because I think uh, I think we get some good ideas there. So I do too. Well, then we'll have to do ten because we already just talked about two. So yeah, we're gonna have to do ten. I have to. But anyway, so it's it's been fifty five minutes, fifty six minutes now. Yeah, end of the episode. Bye. Thanks everybody. We were the practical guitarists. Yeah, practical. And you guys are practical as well. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>